0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. We continue in this series now on the life of Joseph. I love doing character studies. And uh, I want to teach tonight, I gave it away in my prayer, but I want to teach on the subject of uh, waiting on the Lord. Up to this point, we have covered a little more than a decade of Joseph's life. And throughout these years, he has experienced, as you know, tremendous pain, heartache, abandonment, mistreatment, false accusations, false imprisonment. He's had a tough go, right? And finally, tonight, we've come to the part of the story where there's this kind of amazing turnaround, this transition in his life, and he moves from a place of pain to a place of progress. And through all the suffering, through all the trials, through all the tribulation, this man of God, here's what I love about Joseph, it seems that he willingly waits on the Lord. And now we see this incredible dream that God had given him come to fruition. You know, we don't get the sense, now we don't know every thought that Joseph had, but we we don't get the sense that he was ready to jump ship. Like he just trusted the Lord through the process. So um, that being said, go with me if you would to Genesis chapter 41. Now this is a very long uh, text, so I'm going to summarize just a bit of the, the, the story and then a, read a portion of the scripture. So as you're turning there, in verse 1 in chapter 41 tells us that Joseph stays in prison for another two years, all right? So he's now, understand this, he's missed out on his 20s, all right? Like, he should spend his time, right, in his 20s and uh, doing the things that people in their 20s do. Uh, But he, he, he doesn't do that. He's not living it up, so to speak, all right? He's not experiencing the, 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 the fun of, of being in the 20s. I don't know if in the first century it was quite as fun as it could be now. But he, he doesn't live it up in his 20s. And now, while he is still in prison, God gives Pharaoh two dreams. And the Lord, how many know, can still move in this way. He can still give visions and give dreams. But how many know that not every single dream is of the Lord? I've had some people come to me with some crazy dreams that I think it was not the Lord. I think they were perhaps Taco Bell or Pizza Hut, all right? I'm just saying. So we need to weigh those dreams out. But after experiencing these two dreams, Pharaoh wakes up and he is deeply troubled because he senses this is not just an ordinary dream. He has no idea what they mean, but there's something to these Dreams, And so he calls the wisest men and and the magicians of Egypt... ...but no one can interpret the dreams. Because here's what we know. Only spiritual people can understand spiritual things. Listen, you can have the wisest, um, most intelligent people read the Bible... ...and they miss the simplicity of the gospel. But you can take somebody with a low IQ, full of the Holy Spirit... And he or she will get it just like that. Only spiritual spe- uh, people, excuse me, Paul says, can understand the things of the spirit, the spiritual things. So Pharaoh doesn't know what to do, where, who to turn to. And so he must know the meaning of these dreams. So you may remember from last week that through the Lord's help, uh, Joseph is able to correctly interpret the, the uh, dreams of the king's uh, cupbearer and his chief baker. And uh, in verses 9 to 13, we read that the cupbearer remembers Joseph and Pharaoh, he tells Pharaoh about him. He remembers Joseph, all right? So here is where we are. Uh, This is where Joseph's story makes a turn for the better. Pharaoh calls for Joseph in verse 14. It says that he was quickly brought out of the pit. Just stay there for a minute. Really hone in on that. He was quickly brought out of the pit. Joseph's life, it seems to have been a series of pits, hasn't it? And uh, quickly, you know, he is now... I mean, here he is, left alone another two years in the, in, in the prison, and now here he is, quickly brought out of the pit. And I just want you to know that with God, things can take a quick turn, can't they? Things can really take a quick turn, So here's what happens. He shaves, cleans up, changes clothes, and he moves from the pit, and now he moves from the the lowest place to now standing before Pharaoh himself. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. This has all been a setup. He's right where God wants him. And Pharaoh, desperate for Joseph's help, shares these two dreams with him. So God gives this man the revelation of what these dreams mean. And he tells Pharaoh that the dreams were given by God and that they have the same meaning. They are showing him what is about to happen. And he says God is going to bring about seven years of abundance throughout all the land of Egypt. Good news, right? But after that... He's going to bring a seven-year famine. And the famine will be so bad, in fact, that the people will forget about the, the years of plenty. It's going to be very severe, all right? So Joseph proceeds to advise Pharaoh what to do. He doesn't just tell him, here's what it means. God gives him a vision, a plan. And he says, you must appoint a very wise leader and overseers of the land, They must see that one-fifth of the produce is put back during the seven years of abundance. And he said food and grain must be stored as a reserve to sustain the people during the seven-year famine. All right? So this is just a setup to what we're about to read. So Joseph has uh, interpreted the dreams that God had given Pharaoh, and he gives them a plan. Hey, seven years of abundance are coming, then seven years of famine, but don't worry. Here's what we need to do. God is in control. All right, so now let's pick up in verse 37. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? What makes us stand out from the crowd? It's not talent, it's not good looks. What is it that stands out about Joseph? It's the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, friends, may we be a people full of the Spirit. I I love when they were uh, appointing deacons. Remember, in in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 7. They were looking for men full of the Spirit. May we be a people full of the Spirit. Pharaoh, verse 39, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, There is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This is quite a turnaround, amen? And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He made him ride in his second chariot and they called out before him, bow the knee, thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called Joseph's name uh, Zepineth Paneah, and he gave him in marriage uh, Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, a priest of On. So Joseph went over, out over the land of Egypt. Verse 46, Joseph was 30 um, years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. What a turnaround, amen? The scriptures go on to say that the seven years of abundance and the seven year of famine happened, go figure, just as he had said. So I want to talk for the next few moments about this. It is worth the wait. It's worth the wait. One of the most unique and most remarkable plants on the earth, you probably know this, is the Chinese bamboo. Anybody have one of those? (laughs) No, okay. We can bring those in next year instead of flowers for the cross, all right? Um, Once the gardener puts a uh, bamboo sprout into the ground and regularly waters and fertilizes it, virtually nothing happens, nothing visible happens, uh, get this, for up to about five years. All right, that sounds like all the flowers I, I plant, all right? Like nothing happens, all right? Year one, the tree is continually watered and fertilized and nothing. Year two, fertilized, watered, nothing. Year three, the bamboo is continually watered and fertilized, nothing. Year four, same thing, nothing. But in the fifth year, there's a dramatic shift. In a six-week period, the Chinese bamboo tree grows to be 80 to 90 feet tall, all right? At least that's what the internet says, so we know it's true, right? In light of our text today, we could say that Joseph's life is somewhat like this bamboo tree, right? Think of this, at 17 years old, God plants a dream in Joseph's heart. Yet for many years, he sees almost no, no visible evidence of God working this dream out. Day by day, he walks with the Lord. It's as if he's watering this dream, right? Fertilizing it. And for 13 years, nothing, no sign. Nobody in Joseph's life would have said, oh, see, uh, you know, the brothers knowing the dream would have never have said, see, God's at work, God's doing it, it's coming to pass. They would have said, no, the the dream has been put out. That dream wasn't from the Lord. Thirteen years and nothing. Instead of increase, he experiences abandonment, slavery, false accusations, and imprisonment. Doesn't look like God's working in his life. Doesn't look like a prosperous life, does it? Yet Joseph keeps trusting the Lord. Just keeps trusting God. He's tenacious, as we talked about last week, and he continues to walk in faith. And now in Genesis 41, we see him sprouting like a Chinese bamboo in incredible ways. He moves to the top, and this dream that the Lord has given him 13 years ago is now coming to fruition almost overnight, it seems. I mean, it's just, it's just happening abruptly. He goes from being a slave and a prisoner to being made essentially what would be prime minister of Egypt. Through all of his turmoil, all of his struggle, Joseph is willing to wait on the Lord. And now he's reaping the benefits. Oh, it is worth the wait. Amen? Society today, how many know, is beyond fast-paced, right? Like life is crazy. We do not like to wait in line, in traffic, for our food, for our possessions. We have become a, a culture that despises waiting. Amazon Prime is the greatest thing in the world because I can get whatever I order that's, that's Prime. I can get it in two days, and I hear it's supposed to go to a day now. Is, is that right? It's crazy. And I love it because I like to get things now, right, at the push of a button. I'll never forget, this wasn't too long ago, I was in Chick-fil-A, uh, surprise, surprise, and um, I order breakfast, and literally, it takes them about, I would say, maybe six minutes to get me my food from the time I order it. And they come out, and they're so apologetic to me because it took so long, and I'm like, it's really no big deal, I think it's just been like five or six minutes. And they said, no, 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 So we're, we're so sorry, we apologize. they gave me coupons for free food, like, Because that's how much people don't like to wait. So We're not good in this culture at waiting, are we? We struggle. So I fear that we have grown accustomed to having almost everything instantaneously. And this has impacted us. Incidentally, many Christians have trouble waiting on God. You, ever, you remember the days, did, did you grow up in a church where you just kind of lingered at the altar until you, you just got touched by the Lord? You don't see that much anymore, do you? Matter of fact, I, uh, <laughs> we, we had a district council this week, had a great um, meeting on Monday night and uh, Ben and Dina and I were there uh, sitting, we got to hear our general superintendent Doug Clay preach, and he, he did a terrific job, and had an art, altar call, and the Lord was really moving, and I had to, I was on a schedule, I had work to do back in my hotel room, I had two hours of work to do, and so I had to I had to cut out of like altar call, you know, some super spiritual pastor that I am, right? But uh, but we just don't like to wait. You know, I often talk to, you know, council, uh, you know, church folk, and, and they come in and they say, well... Well, Pastor, you know, I prayed about this last week and it still hasn't come to pass. I mean, think about Abraham, right? Look at Joseph. I mean, you go through the Bible. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, we just don't like to wait. What about when, when God told um, the, the apostles, he says, listen, he says, wait on the promise of the Father, the, the Holy Spirit, right? And they were all waiting, praying in one accord in Acts chapter 2. I just don't know if, if that were us, if the Holy Spirit, if that whole Pentecost thing would have happened. Because I think we would have been up there for like five minutes and like, well, God, I guess we missed the Lord. We better just go on and go to Chick-fil-A or whatever, right? Go about our day. You see how this has probably negatively impacted us? Friends, I just want to encourage you. Wait on the Lord. I know that waiting is tough. <laughs> Listen. I promise you, this is probably one of the biggest struggles in my own life. So I I don't mean to be hypocritical when I'm asking you to wait. I'm telling us, be willing to wait. It's countercultural, more than ever, to wait. But uh, let me just give you three benefits real quick of, of waiting on the Lord. Number one, in the waiting, here's what God does. He develops us. God develops us. In the waiting. Think about this: What if Joseph would have brought been brought before Pharaoh at seventeen years old? Think of it. When all of this started, what do you think would have happened? He's standing in front of Pharaoh. He 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 wasn't certainly as wise at seventeen as he is at thirty. Perhaps he would have been petrified to stand before this man of so much power and interpret his dreams, knowing, if I mess this up, I'm dead. To get this interpretation wrong would, would cost him his very life. But through waiting and through the struggle, Joseph learns to trust the Lord, even in the most dark and in most challenging situations. God develops us in the waiting. He's a different man at 30 years old than he was as a 17-year-old teenager. In waiting, he grew and he matured to the point where he could confidently stand before Pharaoh, interpret his dream, and advise him what to do. Friends, this is faith. Going back to my opening illustration about the, the tree, think about those five years in which the plant seems to just lie dormant where there's no visible sign of growth. Let me ask you, are those wasted years? No, absolutely not. Under the surface, the bamboo establishes these robust roots so that it may be strong enough to support the growth that is about to come. That's good right there. Could it be that God hasn't made your dream come to pass yet? His dream for you, I should say. Because you don't have strong enough roots to handle what he's perhaps going to do in your life. During those 13 years of waiting on the Lord, those roots of faith were established in Joseph's life. As he went through the pain and the turmoil and the trials, he was establishing roots as God brought him through every single situation. It's like David, remember, when he goes up against Goliath and he thinks back. How does he have confidence to stand against a man who a whole army is cowering against? He says, oh, God's delivered me. What did he say? From the lion and the bear? Surely he'll take care of me now. Roots had been established. I think that's what's happening in Joseph's life. Pretty Phenomenal. You know, looking back over my life, the two darkest, most troubling years that I've experienced uh, by far turned out to be the most beneficial to me in my ministry. Like I've said this before, but I I really don't think that, um, I don't think that I would have been able to handle what I've been through in five years here had I not had roots that came through having to wait on God. I remember when I was in this particular place Place of ministry years ago, thinking, questioning my calling, thinking I've missed the Lord, wondering, Lord, what could you do? Dina? Hey, let's see what's so important for Dina to. Oh, you're killing me. All right, I will put my. God develops us. Man, her husband's preaching Sunday, so... Right? <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's good. That's good. Illustrated sermon, right? I love it. God develops us in waiting. So yeah, when I was in this place, I, I remember thinking... Lord, why, Lord, why, Lord, why? And now I know. Had it not, had I not gone through what I went through there, and, and, and had the Lord uh, seen the Lord with my own eyes, bring me through. It'd been an issue, right? It's Been an issue. Like I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have survived the first two years at this church. I just wouldn't have. But here's what I here's what I remembered: as I the first two years in this church and that were really tumultuous. I thought, if God could bring me through in this place. Surely he could bring me through here. And he has. Yeah, right? It's, it's so, yeah, God is so incredibly faithful. And he. Here, here's what I want you to see. The, the waiting is not wasted time. You know, I have one regret in ministry. You know what it is? That I started at 22 years old. That I started at 22 years old. And I'll tell you why. I felt the call to ministry. And now there's a lot of shortcuts you can take to get in. It used to be you go to, you go to college, you go to seminary. Um, and then you go through a process, you intern, you do all this, and then you get... But now, because we're so impatient, what do we do? We just Yeah, you go online, you do a few things. Really, that's actually what I did. I took eight classes online or something like that. It's like, all right, here you go. You're a pastor. Actually, at this point, I hadn't even done that. I just walked in. They just said, you're a pastor. I was a worship leader. And I about got eaten alive. I had a dream, and I was ready, and I was impatient. Instead of going through the process, and I tell guys now who are kind of chomping at the bit to, to, to get involved in ministry, I tell them, go through the process. Get your education. Learn. Intern somewhere. Work under a pastor. Listen, I I remember thinking to myself, back when God had given me the dream of being in ministry, I remember thinking, oh, if I do it the way that I should do it, it's going to be eight years, eight years. Well, I look back now, number one, it almost cost me my life, by the way, doing it the way I did it. It almost cost me literally my life um, and my ministry because I had no clue what I was doing. I hadn't been through the process. Had great intentions. That's not enough. You got to go through a process. And so um, now I look back, and I've been in ministry twenty years. Eight years would have been nothing. You know. So what? What did I do? About six years into ministry, I go, okay, I go got to go back to the Bible college, and I'm just now in graduate school, and and so I've done. I've taken a really long journey, but I, I just, I'm just saying. Be willing to wait. Remember, I quoted, I think, Habakkuk last week, chapter 2. The vision is for an appointed time. Sometimes we get a um, we get a vision or a dream or a, just something we feel like the Lord wants us to do. And, and I, I love the excitement that comes with that. We need to have the wisdom to ask the Lord, when? Just because he lays it on your heart now doesn't mean... If he, lay, he might call you to plant a church. That doesn't mean tomorrow you go out and plant a church. That's ridiculous. It's hard. It's difficult. It's a journey. He might call you to start a ministry in this church. That doesn't mean tomorrow that you're called to start the No, there's a preparation process. And I've had people that, that, that will leave because they're not willing to wait. to say, hey, man, the Lord's laid this ministry on my heart. Okay, well, let's, let's talk through the process. Let's, let's raise the funds. Let's, no, we, Pastor, we got to start tomorrow. we got to start tomorrow. The Lord's given me this dream. There's a great church right down the road. I'm sure we we'll are blessed by that ministry, right? No, friends, we've got to be willing to wait, all right? Um, so God develops us. Number two, God works for us while we're waiting. Because here, here's the thing, waiting can be frustrating. Have you ever had, had a dream where you feel like, like a real dream and, and you, you feel like, Um, While you're dreaming, you're trying to run and you can't run? You're trying to jump and you can't jump? Whatever. How many have ever had that happen? Is that not like a frustrating experience? You wake up super frustrated? Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel like waiting is. Like I'm ready to run, but I can't. I feel like, and and Joseph must feel some of this pressure, right? Like he can't can't do anything to, to move this dream forward, Of his own accord, here's what we know. Joseph could have never made it to this level of success. He could have never gotten to Pharaoh by himself. If he would have tried to take matters in his own hands, he would have made an absolute mess of his life. And he would have been destined to fail. But in the waiting, hear me, in the darkness... God's hand of divine providence is at work. We see it uh, so clearly. God has given and he's developed in him during this time the right gifts, the right talents. He's put him in the right place at the right time in front of the right people. When other people would have looked in and said, oh, man, you're in the wrong place if that's your dream. No, he's right where God wants him to be. God is working in the waiting. So it's not like God has just abandoned Joseph for some 13 years and all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know what, I forgot I gave Joseph that dream. Let me go to work for him now. No, God has been working in the waiting. I love uh, the song that we sing, Waymaker, in that bridge that says, even when I don't see him, he's moving or working, right? Even when I can't perceive him, the Lord is doing things that we don't understand. Let me give you just a little bit of application here. Quit trying to make things happen for yourself. Quit trying to force the issue. Now, I'm not saying that you sit back and, and sit on the couch and eat Cheetos all day and say, Lord, you just do the work. No, it is a, it is. is. We, we're willing vessels. But when God doesn't move in your timing, don't try to force it to happen. You know when I see this the most? When young ladies or young men get desperate to be married and they settle because God hasn't shown them that right person yet. So they just, somebody's available, somebody that's not godly and they just move in. That's why Nikki married me. I'm just joking. If you try to do this on your own, whatever it is, if you refuse to wait on the Lord, you'll accomplish nothing worthwhile and you'll be exhausted and frustrated in the process. Let me read you a couple of verses here. Isaiah 64, 4. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for Him. God is working for those who wait for Him. And then you go to Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait... On the Lord, you know this one, shall what? New their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles as they they shall run and not be weary. Right? They shall walk and what? Not faint. You know why I think we're so tired all of the time? Because we don't wait. We don't even take a Sabbath anymore. We're working all the time to try to make things happen. And we feel like if we take a day off that the world's not going to make it without us. We've lost trust in the Lord. We need to slow down. We need to pray. We need to say, God, what is it that you want? And we need to be willing to wait on the Lord. So in waiting, God develops us. He works for us. And number three, here's what happens in the waiting. When we wait, we do it God's way. He gets the glory. This is important our purpose in this life. Everybody's looking for purpose, right? Here it is. It's to glorify God. In Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 47, the Lord says that He has formed Israel for His glory. And the language that's used there pushes us back to Genesis 1 that says we're all made in His image, meaning that we're all made for, made for his, uh, to, to display His glory, if you will. We're made for the glory of God, for His glory. The life, the world, the Bible, everything, hear me, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about God. And so we are made for His glory. Our purpose is to bring glory to his name, to bear his image. We were created for his glory, so this ought to be our aim in everything we do. Paul said it like this, um, whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you do, do it what? For the glory of God. I love that he uses the two most base things in life, eating and drinking. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. There's no way that Joseph could have survived through all that he has experienced If it had not been for the Lord, and I love those stories. If it hadn't been for the Lord, there's an old gospel song that says something along those lines. I love it. If it hadn't been for Jesus, Joseph has been, he's learned um, in the waiting to depend on the Lord for strength. He's had no other choice. That's what waiting does. It, It makes us realize that we have to go beyond us for strength. I love sitting around the table with my grandparents and talking to to them, uh, a man and woman of God who've who've walked with them, with the Lord for some 80 years and to see their faith even in the most troubled times as they're approaching the end of their lives. it's, It's incredible to see their faith because they've learned in the waiting that they can trust God. This is so interesting. When God brings Joseph to the top, the way that he does it, watch this, Joseph doesn't act like the hero. He doesn't act like the hero. I saw a a meme today, or not even a meme. Actually, it was just a it was a picture. It was a picture with a little quote on it, but it was a uh, which is a meme, I guess, but um, not a funny meme. So it says says something like this. It's talking about preachers, and says that we have to be careful. That we don't put ourselves in a position to where we're getting the glory. And it was, he was, this speaker was addressing like social media. We say things like this Glory to God, preach the house down today. No, you don't mean glory to God. You mean, hey, I preached the house down today. Glory to God, we had 230 people in attendance on Easter. When you look deep down into your heart, could it be, I'm talking to me, could it be, wow, look what we've done? You've got to be careful. I love it when people on Facebook say something like this, I'm so humbled to, ever <laughs> see, to, to have received this great uh, award that nobody in their life has accomplished except me. I'm so humbled. No, you're so arrogant. That's why you want the whole world to know, right? We've got, we got to be careful. Here's what I love about Joseph. And and God, remember, he knows this isn't a surprise to God. This is why God chooses Joseph. I don't think his choosing of Joseph is is arbitrary. I do think it's by by mercy. I do think it's by grace. But God knows what he's doing. He needs a man of character in this position. And when Joseph rises to the top, watch this, he does not act like the hero. just doesn't do it. He continually puts the focus on God. And this is something, listen, I want to guard from with all of my heart as a preacher, and you ought to guard for, from it as a Christian, as a, as a as a business owner, whoever you are, whatever you have. If you're a successful business owner, it's by the grace of God. If you're a CEO, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's by the grace of God. I love Tim Keller. is one of the smartest men that I know. He has a photographic mem- memory. He can literally um, call up a... Um, quote, verbatim, and tell you the page number it was on for something he read six years ago. It's insane. He gets up there with chicken scratch, and it seems like he has a manuscript. He just has a little chicken scratch written down. Like, crazy. And I was at this conference with him just a, a month or so ago, and he says, people ask me how, how I'm so able to, to preach like this. And he said, It's grace. He said, I have a photographic memory. And he said, I did nothing, nothing to have that. It's simply a gift from God. And the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And he says, this is just God. And he is the most humble man as, to, to be in his position. And yet we have other preachers and, and that, that I, I know that literally on Sunday mornings, I, I know one pastor who drives up in like a hangar style and it, uh, it, garage thing in his church. In, a, in somebody he doesn't drive his own car, somebody picks him up, he gets out, somebody hands him his coffee and his Bible, they escort, or they, I'm sorry, they take his Bible, they hand him his coffee, they escort him in, and he's treated like a king. And I say, Lord, never let it be that way for me. Never let it be that way for me. I um I listen, we are who we are by the grace of God. I, I'm reminded that, that God can speak through anybody or anything, a donkey, right? Like he can, and, and, and so if I ever get arrogant and say, well, well all these people got saved because of a sermon I preached, may I just remember the Lord can use anybody or anything. Okay? So we've got to guard from being, from being arrogant and, and putting the, the spotlight on us. waiting helps us do that. In our text, here's what happens. At least six six times, Joseph turns the attention to God, recognizing his goodness, his faithfulness, his power, his glory. Watch this, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. Talking about this, "It it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer to this dream, right? It's not in me. It's not me that can interpret your dream. God will give you a favorable answer. If I get it, it's from God. I'm a vessel. That's it. 25, verse 25. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. God, you hear that? 27, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. 32, and the doubting of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. 51, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. 52, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joseph doesn't say, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. No, it's God. This has been developed in the waiting. and Oh, may we learn this as a people. I think it's really good that our church didn't grow the way that I thought it was going to grow in the beginning. When I came here, I had great ambitions. I still have great ambitions. But I was expecting to run 500 people and be planting a new church by year two. I just was. My second week, we went. The church, they said, had about 45 people on an average Sunday on Sunday morning, okay? My second week, we did a big outreach. I had 189 people here. We are packed out. And I'm not gonna say that I was I wasn't completely braggadocious, I don't think, but subtly I was. See, what you needed to grow was just the me. Until we totally tanked. None of those people that came stayed. We didn't have the structure to handle it. And we dwindled and we dwindled for a long time. We ran 60, 65 people and the The notable difference came because my family was here, my my mom and dad, my in-laws, my kids, and Nikki and I. We struggled. Church was not going great. I was embarrassed sometimes to invite friends, families. Oh, we're going to come here. Oh, do you know what? Just give me a little while. Just give me a while. I was just, but you know what that period taught me? I'm so grateful for it. It taught me. (laughs) I can't do it. I simply can't do it. I can't grow a church by talent. I'm not talented enough. I'm not a good enough speaker. I'm not clever enough. I'm not good enough at outreaches. We don't have enough funds. Whatever. Whatever it is, even if we did, it may look healthy. It surely wouldn't be a healthy church because the growth we experienced wasn't healthy growth. You know what I did in that season of waiting? I had been told by all these pastors, well, you got to do this program, you got to do this, you got to have this kind of stage design, you got to have this. I realized that all that's a crock. What I need is prayer in the Word. What I need is the Holy Ghost. What I need is Jesus. And here's what that season did for me the waiting. The waiting got me on my face before the Lord in this room, not just on Sundays, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, crying out to God saying, God, Okay, I get it. I have nothing to bring to the table. And now on Easter to, to watch now the dreams coming to fruition. But I had to learn it's not Chris May that's going to bring it to fruition. It's not Bob Stamper. He's an c- incredible worship leader. It's not Bob Stamper. It's not Tiffany. It's not Jan. It's not Christy. It's not Nikki in the, in the great kids program. It's not Joe and Stephanie, the great youth pastors. Not the, the the best greeter in the world here. It's not that. It's not Lynn and her creativity. Not Aaron and his mission strip. He's not bringing a plane back of people with him, I don't think, are you? Okay, he says no. It's it's the Lord. It's The Lord. That's all we are as vessels. So in the waiting, here's what we know. God is working on our behalf. And when... The dream does come to fruition, and it will. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. Let me close with this story told by Charles Wesley um, Naylor. He says, The king of a certain country who was growing old and had no son to succeed him announced to his people that he would choose an heir to the throne from among the young men of the country by a competitive test which would give all an equal chance. On the day appointed, a great number of men presented themselves. A certain test was made. Some failed, while others passed. Then other tests came, and each time some were rejected, to at last only three men were left. They were put through the test uh, and many tests, but all seemed equally able to meet every test. So the king announced through his heralds that on the next day the matter would be decided by a simple foot race. The course was marked off, the judges were in their places, and all was ready. But just at this time, a man came up to each of the contestants and said secretly to him, The king is taking special note of you. Do not run when the signal is given, but wait until the king gives you a special note. Or don't run at the start, when, but wait till you get a special signal from the king. The three took their places, eager for the race. The signal was given. One bounded forward quickly, then hesitated, and he stopped. Then another sprang forward after him, upon which the first started forward again, and they ran for the goal with all their speed. The third, though, looked anxiously at the king and the two runners, murmuring to himself, I can't make it yet, I can't make it. Yet, the king gazed at the runners and gave no heed to the one still standing. The waiting man thought himself forgotten, and he soon realized that it would be impossible for him to win the race. He felt that all was lost for him. The two runners ran at top speed, reaching the goal together. They were brought back, and all three stood before the king. To the first, the king said, Were you not told to run until I gave you the signal? Not to run until I gave you the signal? Why then did you run? Well, I forgot, the man said. Of the second, he asked the same question, and his reply was this. I thought it would be but a moment till you would give the signal, and seeing the other run, I was compelled to run also. To the third, he said, and why did you not run? Because you did not give me the signal sir he answered my son said the king I knew that you could run but I did not know that you could wait so the young man found that the test was not a test of doing but it was a test of waiting could it be that you're in a season of waiting right now maybe you want things to be fixed so quickly. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. Can I just remind you, God is working in the waiting. Don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. I preached Sunday on my marriage. At 10 years into my marriage, I thought there was no hope for it, and I wanted to jump ship. Nikki thought there was no hope. I'm shocked that she didn't jump Ship. She had more reason than I did. But we just believed that God had called us together. And in the waiting, God was doing something. And I'm grateful I didn't jump ship. Two years into this ministry, I thought that God, I've been here almost five years now, I thought that I'd missed the Lord. I came real close. First assembly called me when their pastor left. One of the board members said, "Hey, any chance of you submitting a resume?" I thought about jumping ship for just a moment. Never sent my resume, by the way, because I knew the Lord had called me here. And I'm telling you, to where we're at right now, because of you, who are family to me, I'm so grateful. You were worth the wait. And I just want to encourage you, whatever God's called you to do, it's worth the wait. Don't get off track trying to make something happen yourself. Trust the Lord through the process. Learn all you can through the process. Be willing to wait.